I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good afternoon. This is The Call. Ten companies picked by you, two expert guests, one hour plus. We do a stock of the day as well. My guests in studio today, Ben Clark from TMS Capital and Francesco DeStratis from Ordmanet. I've been looking forward to this. Hello, Thank you so much for joining us. Um, ben, I saw you posting on LinkedIn about Qantas and Alan Joyce um, yeah, selling some shares. Yeah, yeah, that was some. the average, I thought. <laughs> or a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't, it was a, it wasn't like, a sort of a measured sell no, down. This it was, is like $15, 16000000 million or something. Yeah, it was 90% of his holding. Crazy. Um, six months before he's leaving. Um, while there's a buyback. While he, after one of the more aggressive buybacks you've seen. So it was, Interesting. Just thought I'd yeah. put, you, put you on the spot there because I don't usually well, see you posting stuff like that on LinkedIn. No, I just, someone's got like, it's pretty, um, I, I don't know. I, like it's, it's not, he hasn't done anything wrong technically, but I don't think it's a good look no. um, after how long he's been there and telling everyone about the growth aspirations Qantas has going forward mm-hmm. and all these great things he's put in place. To, I don't know. What and you're... I didn't say anything, but maybe he did. But, I mean, he didn't put anything out that says, I need the money for... No, I don't think know, he's short of a dollar. Or... No, I think he did buy a property purchase, but when, like, yeah... When is that not a reason? Anyways, I just thought we'd start the show with a bit of goss. Why not for a change? Because, of course, we can't talk AI. We can't talk all these prevalent market themes. But I I guarantee they will come up in the course of conversation. When we discuss Bluebet, when we talk about Sky City Entertainment, NextEd, InvoCare, and Sonic Healthcare as well, I bet M&A might come up as well. Um, but look, the stock of the day, I just think we can't get away from this broader macroeconomic theme. We saw interest rates rise here yet again on Tuesday, the banks passing them along. Consumer discretionary companies continue to downgrade. And we've got the brokers weighing in as well. Our stock of the day is Premier Investments. So everybody says best in class retailer. But Goldman Sachs today says that Premier Investments appears to be the discretionary retailer most at risk from stagnating top line growth and deteriorating macro conditions. So it's actually cut it to a sell from neutral. It says Premier has the highest gross profit margin and is therefore most sensitive to lease and wage cost pressures. Goldman Sachs does acknowledge that their forecasts across the sector are more pessimistic than those being held by many other analysts, but it's cut its target price by 17% to $21 on those lower earnings per share forecast. And Premier is one of the worst performers of the session so far. And look, I'm, I'm not sort of pitting experts against each other, but I hosted this program on Tuesday and it just really stuck out to me that my guests at the time called Premier at these levels, you know, a screaming buy. Clearly, Goldman Sachs disagree. So I just, yeah, I know that we've done retailers a lot, but guys, I just can't help but think that this is one of the more fascinating areas of the market. And this mm. is a, it's a big call from Goldman Sachs when it comes to Premier. I don't know who's calling it a screaming buy. It must be a chartist. No, yeah. 
has been sold off quite heavily, but um, yeah. there's but potential saying for that, more. Yeah, but um, saying that, you know, if you're a long-term investor, that it's really cheap at these levels. Well, Cheaper today, you know, than Tuesday. There's arguments for that. Um, but, um, you yeah, know, we're going into an environment where discretionary spending is going to be going to be slashed pretty heavily, I think. Um, particularly when we talk about, you know, some people's interest um, or mortgage repayments going up by sort of forty to $50,000 per year extra. Um, you're going to find discretionary spending is going to be slashed, and this is the type of discretionary spending that can be um, can be sort of cut back on households. You know, um, Bubs, the, the 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 baby retailer. Um, sorry, they don't retail babies, but baby products. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, they cut back their um, um, you know forecasts uh, and guidance the other day, and they got hammered. Um, Absolutely there's, there's hammered. El- yeah, there's there's elements of uh, elements of um, bubs. I think that are probably less discretionary than than what's in Premier. You know, you're talking jeans and clothing and things like that, which um, pajamas, well, yeah. pajamas, and they've got that um, uh, stationary. Um, uh, the name Smiggles. 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 You don't yeah. have and kids have chronic, clearly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, this I walk past the store every day, um, going from 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 the station to the office, and um, you know that store's gone. Um, so I, I struggle to see them sort of picking things up in the next twelve to eighteen months. So yes, I, I, look, they are good retailers, and and. And ultimately, longer term, there's, there's probably better things on the horizon for them. But I, I think there's probably a little bit more pain before any 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 positive turnaround for them. So you would be selling. We, we downgraded recently to a light, and so yeah, you're basically okay. yeah. Ken. Uh, yeah, this is a tricky one because I think you, I think everyone might be right there. <laughs> you know, like for the guest you had on probably is a good long term buy, but there could be some more short term pain. You might be able to get it cheaper because I think if you look at like. Adairs, Baby Bunting, some Universal of these other, stores. Universal Store. Like those share prices had already been hit hard before they downgraded and then they got smashed. So the argument is that the market's already priced it in, that didn't that wasn't right with those other ones. And it, if if Premier does downgrade, it won't be right with Premier either. I think Smiggle, which is the like the the, the crown jewel in Premier Investments is under like that it, it, you would be worried I reckon because when you think about Smiggle the demographic is young families because it's little kids yeah that and might look buy. the stuff isn't cheap it's not cheap and young is. families yeah. are the ones who I'll guarantee you are at the you know that tipping point with mortgage costs mm. you know and everything else seems to be getting more expensive so maybe buying a $30 drink bottle is well or pens you know you can go to the dollar store and get ones yeah or Kmart or brighter colored as well yeah so interesting um I just find that the the share price reaction to some of these downgrades have been pretty instructive as well because if you're an Adair's shareholder like you would have known that there's a slowdown in retail you would have known that people kitted out their homes Mm. you know heavily in the pandemic in the COVID pandemic so what you're saying guys then is you know, don't be afraid to sell these retailers because even though a downgrade hasn't come yet, the writing might be on the wall. So you think about Harvey Norman, you know, you think about all yeah. of those sort of yeah. retailers. Even the quality retailer, like JB Hi-Fi, we had in our portfolios for a long time. We recently took them out and they've been great. And, mm. and, and they probably continue for a little while longer, but um, a lot of people spent money on upgrading their computers and their gaming consoles and their TVs during the pandemic because they were stuck at home. Mm. Um, and also the um, you know the businesses that were 
uh, or people working from home, upgraded computers and so forth. So all that spending's brought forward then. Yeah. Um, so you don't need to upgrade that stuff for three to five years. What, so. what do you think about migrants coming to the country and the rate of immigration? Because that was one point that was brought up with JB Hi-Fi that that might help buffer yep. uh, its earnings. It will help. And I also think, like we're all talking about mortgages. The reality is one in three Australians have a mortgage and one in three of those one in three have a fixed mortgage. So yeah, there is a mortgage cliff, but it's not like everyone mm-hmm. is going to be affected by that. Um, but it, it does feel like that every retailer is different because I think a lot of retailers had this pull through during COVID of demand. And Francesco's right, like it's, it's you, you are probably going to look at it and go, I don't need to spend money on that now if mm-hmm. I'm worrying. In this um, environment, people aren't sort of, you know, even those that don't have the heavy mortgage burdens, a lot of people are not then turning over their homes so they're not moving mm-hmm. from yeah. one to another which is when they trigger to buy new white goods and you know the, the new furniture well, yeah. exactly okay. so so that doesn't happen and then the immigration yes it does improve things for them but i, I don't think it outweighs what no. what what they the, you know what they're facing over the next 12 to 18 months so yeah. again just to push a point if you're an investor and you've got exposure to retail in your portfolio right now you'd be taking a long hard look very long hard look yes. yeah i agree yeah okay. All right, so that's the sell. I'm going to call that a sell, Premier Investments. Okay, let's get on to the companies that have been nominated by our viewers. And the first one is for Jerry, and this is Blue Bet. I might start with you on this one, Francesco, because I know Ord Minute does have a rating on this company. We do. We, we have a buy on it, um, and I'll clarify that, though. I mean, it is a risky buy, I think. Um, look, online gaming um, in Australia and, and expanding into U.S. jurisdictions, uh, it's it's a difficult uh, proposition to expand in the US because there's um, not only is it in other jurisdictions, there's multi-jurisdictions within mm-hmm. that US market. Um, so they need approvals in each state, which takes time um, and um, a lot of development and a lot of marketing um, and a lot of uh, negotiating with with uh, regulators and so on. So so I think there's a there, there's a long lead time before they start to see any real gains there. Um, they, 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 in some areas, they will move to a what they call a sports book as a solution. So, so basically, using the technology to partner with a local firm to 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 uh, market their their gaming um, solutions, if you like. Um, so, so there's still a lot of um, development that needs to be done in that area. Um, so, the global platform is still being developed. So, there's a lot of cost being sunk into that, uh, which will put uh, um, you know pressure on the, uh, well, yeah, counter any upward pressure on the share price. Uh, so, but that capex plat- should plateau at the end of next end of this year, maybe early next year. Um, so, so capex should should level out a bit. Um, so, so when I say you know it's a buy, it's a buy for those that are willing to take that sort of risk. Uh, but it's a long term buy. Great, buy. Would you, why would you buy Bluebet when you love Aristocrat? <laughs> I wouldn't. So I, I, I'm going to go hold because I think there's probably some pretty hardcore tax loss selling. Like selling ah. this stock right now at this point, I think would be a mistake. I, look, I don't know it very well, so I'd probably defer to Francesco on this one. I mean, the only thing I'd say is, like, if you look at points bet, that was interesting what they've announced where they basically, um, after burning hundreds of millions of dollars trying to get a presence in America, they've given up. And um, Bluebet, from what I quickly looked at, 
it might not be a bad decision for them to do the same because the the Aussie part of the business is actually it looks like it's profitable um, yeah. and they're burning five million dollars a quarter from what I could see on probably America and you know I, I think if points bet which was burning five ten times that couldn't make it work and when you look at what they actually ended up selling the US business for it's a fraction of what they put into mm-hmm. it eventually I don't know I think you know the flutters and entains are just becoming the dominant players in America and I think it's going to be really hard for the smaller guys to ever you've got to have the deep pockets the, the American sports betting story is one of going to be one of the biggest growth engines going forward, but I, I don't think blue bet's going to be a part of it. So I, I think the only thing differentiating factor between yeah. sort of blue bet and points bet is that 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 blue bet's developing this system that that they'll be able to partner with local right. uh, businesses as yeah. opposed to being an Aussie coming into their market. The other thing about the U.S. Um, gamblers are they're not a sophisticated. It's funny enough, they're not as sophisticated gamblers as, as Australians. So no. when you look at the multi multi, uh, and I don't bet on sport and things like that, but I mean, I see it advertised all the time. You can bet on multiple mm-hmm. uh, games and different outcomes and that. Americans aren't that sophisticated when it comes to betting. I mean, you only got to look at their poker machines compared to aristocrats. Mm. Whereas in Australia, you can play twenty-five lines. Or, uh, in America, that you know, yeah. they get a bit confused with three. What or does four. that say about us? But anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. We don't want a pun here. Um, so um, um, I, I think the differentiating factor with Bluebet, and this has got to be successful in their ex- American expansion. Like mm-hmm. you say, Aussie is okay, but you know, you want the leverage out of the US market with what you've invested in the. City. System, um, and if they can be successful by through the partnership um, programs, um, then look, there's good leverage there. But okay. if they're not, then you know, the other thing you would one. say they got 27 million in cash and a 40 million market cap. So if they're at risk of a raising, I'd say sell. But they're not. They're, they're, they've got plenty of cash. You know, they've got at least a year and a half's cash burn. So. And uh, you're only paying 13 million effectively mm-hmm. for the business at this point. So, well, the big expenditure is in this system, and and they they they've they're planning on completing that at the end of this calendar year. So let's say it's first quarter next year. So the it, cash it, burn it, comes. So off. the cash burn comes yep. off a lot. You're not convinced, still, though, are you? I'll, I'll go hold. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get to the next on the list, and this is for Bob SKC Sky City Entertainment. So we all know about the regulatory issues that are facing a lot of these casino operators. So Ben, in Sky City's case, I mean, a lot of its business is in New Zealand. So is yeah. it fundamentally different then? They are and they aren't. I mean, I think those regulatory issues are flowing over the ditch. Um, and they also own Adelaide Casino, mm-hmm. which is under anti-money laundering. I think there's a, an investigation now being going on there. You look at Crown, you look at Sky City, um, uh, Star sorry, Star Group. Yeah. Um, these projects cost so much money and they must take up so much management time and you never really know what the end result's going to be. It's not, they're not going to make more profit after spending the money as a result of it. Um, Sky, like Sky City, it's, it's a bit similar to Star in some ways. It's got a really good land bank. So it, it you know, it owns this enormous property in the middle of Auckland um, and, and in Adelaide as well. It's trading on 12 times earnings. It's on a yield of 5.5% fully franked. Um, Is it fully franked though? That's a good question. New Zealand, uh, I think there's a lot of New Zealand. Yeah, no, it might not be fully franked. So I don't think it is. Maybe yeah. partially franked because of the yeah. Adelaide stuff. But um, uh, they did have a recent small sort of downgrade, um, but they look cheap and they've, you know, they've got a landmate. I'm going to go hold. 
because I think the AML compliance stuff will be a bit of an overhang for some time, um, but there's value there. Yeah. yeah, I was chatting with a gentleman about, um, no, you've confused me, a star. Yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, the property value that's associated yeah. with that. And I, I think Sky yeah. City's a bit cleaner yeah. as, a, as a business as well. You know, if you're operating a casino in Sydney, you know, your clientele's somewhat different to, mm-hmm. you know, operating a casino in Adelaide, for instance. Mm. Um, Auckland might be similar um, to your clientele, but... Um, I think the, yeah. the problem with the land thing is everyone says, oh, they've got a billion dollars of land. But then they've got to sell it to realise that. They've either got to sell it and then they don't have an operating business yeah. or they've got to develop it, which is going to, you know, everyone's yeah. like, why don't yeah. you turn into resi? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's going to cost $600 million. Yeah. And then, you know, so and it's not it's, that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you don't own it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you don't own it. So then um, what do you yeah. got left? So yeah. what's the rating? Um, We're going to buy, yeah. um, uh, but I'm probably a bit more cautious than that on it. Um, uh, Ben's right, it, you know, it looks undervalued um, on that basis. I mean, casinos tend to trade, you know, on a PE basis, you know, up closer to 20. Um, so, you know, they're around the, I think they're sort of, well, you know, for 23, it's 12.7 times, 11 times for 24 and and, and, a, and under 10 on our forecast for, for 2025. So you're looking at EPS growth of 10 to 15% a year on year over the next 10 to, sorry, 10, two to three years. So that's attractive with the dividend yield, like you say, it's five to six, six, seven mm. percent. I don't think there's a huge amount of franking there because of the overseas earnings. Right. They do have casinos in, in Hamilton and Queenstown. So I think Queenstown's a very good location for a, a casino as well because of the holiday skiing atmosphere and that. Uh, and they do have an online casino operating out of Malta as well, but I don't think that's a big part of their business. Um, look, the casinos, they're good cash generators, um, but, um, you know, the high regulatory environment that is, is a positive and a negative uh, because of the barriers to entry that it creates. And, mm-hmm. you know, no one can come in and set up another casino in Adelaide unless the government goes to tender mm-hmm. again. So it's a, it's a big barrier in the cost to set it up. So um, whilst that creates the big barrier, um, there's also that regulatory environment with Austrack and, and monitoring and so forth, which takes away resources. I, I would say I'm, I'm positive on it, but I'm not as strong as a buy. Our preferred gaming stock, and, and by the sense of things, yours is an aristocrat, yeah. um, just from the nature of what it does. Okay, thanks guys. Uh, next on the list is Next Ed. This is for Clark. Hey Clark, if you're watching, information only, not financial advice, NXD. I speak with a small cap investor who's pretty keen on Next Ed. Um, Francesco, I think that Ords covers this stock. Um, we've got yes. a lot of international students yes. returning. Um, yes. Positive? 100% positive. 100% and, and, positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got well, and, uh, three in a row, three buys. Except for Premier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing about this is the um, the revenue for 2023 is expected to be about 40% above the pre pandemic um, highs of 2020. So um, they're back to their normal growth path. And our guys are expecting that revenue, um, another another 40% on that for next year. So there's a lot of growth in this and, and, and a lot of growth through acquisitions and through organic growth. You know, they do have campuses on the Gold Coast and Sydney chart. and places like that. Um, and and ultimately, you know, adding classrooms doesn't add a huge amount of costs and adding teachers, uh, the revenue they get from that is quite large. So, so I think this is some really good um, organic growth opportunities and some bolt-on acquisition uh, opportunities along with that strong student growth that's just coming 
um, you know, particularly on the international side of things. I mean, a lot of a lot of overseas students that are doing a lot of this tertiary and um, this type of education would prefer to do it in some of the locations in Australia than, say, go to Great Britain or somewhere like that, where you know you get the the lifestyle as well as that education side of things. So um, we like the skull. The, the, guy, the guy's got a valuation of a dollar ninety, so there's a little bit of upside there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's trading around dollar fifty, so um, I think it's quite quite attractive. To buy. How about you, Ben? I've never really. So I think it was the old Red Hill, which I'd sort of heard of. They bought Red Hill. Um, like as Francesco said, the, 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 they had a like an upgrade recently and very strong numbers. I mean, they were guiding for like revenue to grow from twenty-five to forty-five odd million dollars. So I think there's a um, you know it's partly organic. It looked like and partly just that international students mobilising again to Australia. Um, it is not cheap, like it's trading on about 34 times. Look, there's only one or two analysts that cover this, so you've got to be a bit careful when you're quoting forward earnings multiples because they can be out of whack. But um, from what I saw, consensus was about 34 times. 3% dividends, not bad for a pretty fast growing growth stock. So I'd be sort of a hold to a buy as well. I think, you know, like that is growth that we're not seeing in very many companies at the moment, that's for sure. And you can see like there is a structural tailwind of international students wanting to travel to Australia. Education should be a big growth engine for Australia over the next decade. And um, if this, I don't quite know what sets them apart from competitors and things like that, but clearly um, the numbers are saying that there's some there's some good sign up happening. So it's the price that would hold you back from buying yeah, today? Yeah, I mean, 34 times like on, on that 40% jump in revenue means they've got to keep delivering that to warrant that multiple. Um, and without knowing the business mm-hmm. um, very well, I just probably that's where I'm a bit cautious and yeah. sort of saying go out and buy it. Okay. Let's get to the next one on the list, number four. This is for Sen. Uh, it's InvoCare. IVC is the ticker code. So we've got private equity. Uh, with a bid on the table. And in fact, I think it was sweetened. I had to check just to see what the latest was, but it was sweetened about three weeks ago. I don't think that there's been any no. you know, sort of acceptance or anything. It's going to go, like, I think we can do this one pretty closely, quickly, because- um, It's under due diligence. It, yeah. Yeah, it, it is going to go through. Yeah. Like, all the major shareholders are on board. Yeah. They they initially said no um, to this, mm-hmm. this PE firm, TPG, I think it is. and. The shareholders were there was a massive backlash against management because mm-hmm. they were played hardball, left, and then they've come back. And this is a knockout bid, which I think is inevitable. So, I think the the one thing maybe for Sen is um, his tax environment. There's going to be a sixty cent fully franc dividend as part of the thirteen dollar price. So if you can utilise those franking credits, you might sort of stick in with it. Through to the um, through to the end because I'd be pretty, like ninety five percent confident this goes through. If not, take the money and roll mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Well, it's trading about four and a half percent below the thirteen dollar mark, um, and the franking credits take it up to about thirteen twenty five, bit over thirteen twenty five. So, you know, if you're a trader and you you, yeah. you know your transaction costs aren't you know going to hurt you, then uh, you know for some people you know. It might be worthwhile just taking a position to, mm. to take advantage, mm-hmm. but obviously you've got to look at the time value of money and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but um, and look for private equity. This is an easy one. 
you know, the, yeah. the InvoCare has been growing for years on the back of buying small family operated funeral parlours at very low PE multiples, you know, six, seven, eight times uh, on a stock that trades, you know, 15 times, 14 mm. times. So all, all of a sudden you got this earnings accretion automatically straight away when you bolt it on. Uh, and then you add in there all the cost savings and the synergies within the business. And, um, you yeah, know, it's been just a hell of a, a growing stock. So I think private equity have gone, this is too good for us. You know, we, mm. we can't pass this up. So, yeah, look, at the the only thing is, would you buy it if you're trying to get that sort of, you know, twelve forty to to thirteen dollars? Yeah. Do your There's research, the sir. massive land bank they own as well, no. which has yeah. probably always been undervalued by the market because it's like they own the burial grounds that people go into. But it's like, what else? There's nothing. But, else but do. Yeah, also <laughs> on the negative side, they yeah. do they do operate a like a funeral type fund where yep. people pay into, and and what happens to those funds and the cost yep. of a funeral over the years. So. To basic example, if someone's forty and they're paying off, mm-hmm. you know, into a funeral fund, you know, today, um, what's that money worth in 100, thirty oh, years' yeah, time? Yeah, thirty years. Th- yeah, or thirty yeah. or forty years' time, uh, and and are they making that money work mm-hmm. or losing money on it? So, so there's some negatives there as well. But you know, any business is going to have some positives and negatives. It's just um, it's just made me think. You know, we've we've talked to talked with a guest earlier today about the ASX shrinking. Mm. You know, we've got a lot of this private equity um, moving in. Oh, it'll be back. Private mm-hmm. equity will flog it back together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not in the yeah, business for hanging for love, falling in love with businesses. Yeah, that's true sure. enough. True enough. But, but I mean, um, yeah, still, still plenty of opportune fishing out there for you guys. Well, you know, like the U.S. exchange has shrunk significantly over the last. Like, I remember going over there with Jez and Jeremy from work and talking to some people, and they were like, "It's inevitable because businesses are just wanting to stay private for longer." Mm-hmm. And um, all the big pension funds are soaking up businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, you'll get rotated. Like, we've clearly gone through a period where there's been a, like the IPO market's been closed for a year and a half oh, now, yeah. but there's yeah. been a lot of takeover activity through mm-hmm. that period. Um, so, yeah, like short term we've shrunk, but like Francesco said, the, at some point. I, th- I think we go through cycles in that, though, yeah. as well. You know, yeah. there's periods of time where the market sort of, you know, there's. F- IPO after IPO after IPO, and and it starts flooding the market with some some good ones and some rubbish. Mm. Um, but then we go through periods like this where you know stocks or companies that look like they're undervalued. Mm-hmm. Private equity have got plenty of cash to throw around, um, but with private equity, they they don't fall in love with with the business. And they're, they're not you know they don't there's no emotional attachment. To they don't it. want to be funeral home <laughs> operators long if term. They can, if they can get a decent profit out of it, they'll get it back out there in the market. Six feet worry. under. All right. Let's Let's get on to the next before we take a bit of a pause. It's getting hot in here. Um, Sonic Healthcare SHL. This is from Martha. Uh, yeah, so in the, um, what's the word? Diagnostic. Diagnostics end of the market. Also, you know, potential M&A in this area as well. What do you think of Sonic? You. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we think it's probably a bit overvalued, so we're, we're enlightened on this one. Um, okay. Yeah, the COVID testing was a big boom for them. Um, obviously, a lot of those COVID testing sites were run by uh, Sonic, if not all of them or most of them. Um, but yeah, on the flip side, a lot of people didn't see it, but there was a lot of uh, reductions in uh, other forms of testing and diagnostics because there was a lot less uh, elective surgery and a reduction in non-urgent surgery. So, so tests that needed to be done for those sort of uh, operations 
uh, weren't being done. Now that we've come out of COVID, obviously that um, those testing sites are now, um, you know, they were running on, you know, with no one in them for a number of months there, I remember, but I think they're all being shut down now. So um, they lose the, that, that part of the business. Uh, on the flip side, a lot of the non-urgent surgeries and, and elective surgeries are back up and running, so they're getting tests and uh, diagnostics business from that, but I don't think it makes up the difference. Um, so um, we're at a light, and, and you know what? I'd probably look, you know, I think the share prices are pretty high. Uh, I'd be looking to switch out of that into another healthcare stock, you know, probably something like a, a CSL or one we're going to talk about uh, in a minute. Okay. I like you, you learn TV, you tease it, you know, give it away. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's a lightener sell for Sonic Healthcare. You know, labor costs, I guess, is an issue. But Ben, again, back to the population, you know, we will have a higher population. Yeah. There was a bit of relief in budgets when it comes to, uh, you know, Medicare. Yeah. Like, healthcare is defensive and it, we will it, still keep needing these tests. Completely. It's inevitable. Yeah. And, and the and the population is getting older everywhere around the world in Western countries. And as you get older, you need more frequent tests. So yeah. I, I think it's a hold. Um, I agree it's probably just a bit expensive and it's still sort of working its way of cycling against these very strong comps. You know, the, pre, the previous mm-hmm. corresponding periods where there was just rampant testing activity happening, as Francesco was saying. So it's sort of like, it's like a bit like Fisher and Paykel Healthcare is another one. Like it's, it's working its way through what was just a bizarre period for a lot of businesses to a more normalised earnings basis. And I mean, the market's still trying to work out what normal earnings look like for a lot of these sort of companies. Um, but in its favour, scale matters in this business. Like you, that there is a massive moat around. I know moat's an overused term, but <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, they're the number one player in America, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, a lot of countries in the world. And there will not be big competitors entering this space because the labs and all of the infrastructure that you need to get someone's blood test safely from a doctor to that lab and the results back to that person a lot within of 24 hours. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a complex thing that has taken years to set up and it's like a pretty invaluable asset. So. Um, I think this is one that you want to buy at the right time. The right time for me would be like a earnings multiple of hot, ideally in the teens, like 18, 19. It's on 23 at the moment. It's probably just a bit expensive, Nadine, but okay. I'll say a hold. All right, great. All right, guys, let's um, just review what we've learned. So Premier, which was the stock of the day, Premier Investments, that quality retailer, it's actually a sell for both of my guests today. Then we get to Bluebet. So a bit of disagreement here. It's a buy, a specy buy for the team at Ord Minette and Francesco Destratus, but it's looking to the U.S. expansion and the fact that it's looking to U.S. partners, which perhaps sets it apart from some of the other strategies from those Aussie bet makers that have tried to penetrate the U.S. market. It's a hold, though, for Ben. Um, but he does say, look, at least it doesn't look like it's going to be tapping the market for cash anytime soon. But yeah, just just too hard for him. Sky City Entertainment, uh, it's a buy for Francesco. Uh, he's a bit more cautious than the official rating from Ward Burnett, but he does reckon that perhaps it's undervalued. Uh, it's a hold for Ben, points to regulatory risk. Uh, the land bank is good. Both of them would prefer aristocrat in that gaming space um, if they had a choice or if you had a choice. Next, Ed, uh, Francesco was really on a roll up to here. It was a buy for him. He's looking at organic growth and M&A, so it's a 100% buy. Um, and Ben's new to the company. 
Um, but look, he says the numbers look pretty strong. It's sort of a hold to a buy. He just doesn't know the company very well to say go out and buy it today. Invocare, look, Ben says think about tax. It will be taken over. It's a you know knockout bid from private equity, and um, yeah. Francesco points to, you know, a trading opportunity um, between the share price today and the offer price. But again, you need to sort of take into consideration how it fits in to all of your financials. And Sonic Healthcare, it's a lighten, so a bit of disagreement here. Francesco would prefer something like a CSL, um, but um, it's a hold for Ben because he says it's a bit expensive. He'd rather get it just a bit cheaper. You just heard him talking about it. Okay. So we're at the halfway mark. Uh, let's get across this new high conviction fund picked by our investment committee. The latest episode went live this week and uh, we'll also be bringing it to you tomorrow on the live stream at 1.30 p.m. So here is a snapshot. Going into June, Seth 32 was replaced by Altium. All right, Woodside Energy was removed. It's a 3% weighting was split between CSL, Linus, and West Farmers. Elders was removed, even though it's got uh, Mark Allison remaining at the helm. Uh, its weighting was split between Avita Medical and RPM Global. Avita, I wonder who got that over the line. All right, let's see how the portfolio is performing since its inception to today up by nine and a half percent. Keep your requests coming into here and we'll um, figure out what stocks our committee will be looking at next. None from today, none from today, be, no it'll, pressure. It'll be doing well off that Avita Medical device. Yeah, today yeah, there was an announcement yeah, yeah. out. I think we're I think we're talking to them so, in the small caps. I can't remember. What are Burns, they Burns treatment. Yeah, yeah it's Burns right. treatment. Very, yeah. Very They've got FDA approval. like Polynovo, but different yeah, yeah, type yeah. of technology. And yeah, Polynovo's yeah. had a great week as well. Yeah, it yeah. Came out yesterday, $7 million yeah. in sales in May. Um, yeah. I'm almost positive we'll be speaking with them in the small caps. Anywho, uh, let's... you get an opportunity to have a look at Avita's uh, presenta- you know, stock presentation, have a look at... There's some stomach-churning pictures in it, but then you look at the after and you go, wow, that's Don't do it amazing. before lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank goodness for um, medical miracles, right? Okay, yes. let's get to... Well, number six, and I think Francesco gets to talk about this one first. This is for Trajan, Macmillan Shakespeare, Smart Group, and Amcor all coming up. But for Victor, ResMed. So, Francesco, I'm getting the vibes that you might like this one. Yes. This is one of, one of the great Australian businesses, I think, you know, along with CSL in the healthcare space. Um, look, their sleep apnea, if you look at the market for that, um, it has become more and more... Uh, well, people are becoming more and more aware of mm-hmm. um, treating sleep apnea and the reasons for treating sleep apnea. And if you treat sleep apnea, how um, it, it it reduces um, the risk of a lot of other conditions mm-hmm. uh, later in life and further down the track. Um, so so uh, very um, very high demand and, and expanding more in, in places even like China where people are realising that sleep apnea is, is an issue. So, so on the market side of things, there's a massive market. Um, yeah, ResMed's probably the leader, I would say, in, in the market. There's Philips and Fisher Paykel, and there's uh, a number of other solutions um, um, with um, um, uh, dental solutions. Um, but the um, the CPAP machine, or if people call it the, the vacuum cleaner that people sleep with <laughs> on their face, uh, um, appears to be the most effective for those that are in uh, mild or, or getting close to being um, severe. Uh, those that have really severe sleep apnea need to go and have um, uh, an operation, but, but um, um, the, the, the CPAP machines appear to be the best. Um, 
ResMed are probably leading in the technology there. They have a facility in Western Sydney where uh, they have all their intellectual property being developed with engineers and so forth. Uh, they have a manufacturing facility on site which they translate all the ideas into manufacturing very quickly. Uh, and then they have manufacturing offshore which um, is obviously a lot cheaper uh, mm. in places like Singapore. So um, the stock is always trading at a high PE. It's always up in the 20s, maybe even in the low 30s. Um, the share price will move around. If you see it get sold off a bit, I say any long-term investors, if it gets sold off a bit because of some inobscure number on their margins or something like that, it's time to buy some for a long-term portfolio. Which is what happened initially in their last quarterly. It was down for a few days and then picked yeah, it up off the map yeah. because the, the, the operating analysts, leverage was down as they were trying to you know, yeah. meet the market and get as much in there as possible. Yeah, yeah the, the, the market just so finicky with margins on this company that you know the margins uh, squeezed a bit and the thing gets sold down 5-10%, mm -hmm. time to buy. Yeah. because they know you can turn it around pretty quickly. Um, we're going to accumulate on it because, you know, it's probably trading in the, I don't know, I didn't even look at it, to be honest with you, so it might be trading in the, uh, you know, the high 20s, maybe even low 30s. Uh, but if you see that in the mid-20s uh, on a PE basis, then I, I say buy. Um, happy to pay for quality, Ben? Absolutely. One of the best companies on our market. I'd sort of echo it. It's one of our largest holdings. I think it's a buy now. Um, Yes, it's on 29 times, but this business never has looked cheap. Um, and the other, just a couple of things I'd add to what Francesco said there. The first is Philips, which owns Respironics, is mm -hmm. still out of the market. So they're, they're the number two player in OSO sleep apnea. And uh, they had an issue with the batteries in their, yeah, in their recall, device. They? They've done yeah. a global yeah. recall. It still hasn't been re re rectified. Even if they announce tomorrow it has been, it is going to take time for doctors to start re-subscribing um, that product because they'll want the confidence it's not going to happen again. And it's also going to take time for restaurants to start to gear up their supply chains. And that's that's the big issue. Like the big issue Res ResMed has had is they've had this amazing uh, runway where their competitors gone and COVID's reopened. The problem they've had is that they haven't been able to keep up with the demand. Um, because some of the um, computer chips um, that go into their devices have been globally, there's been this massive shortfall, yeah. Um, but Mick Farrell at the last um, quarterly said for the first time since COVID, we can now uh, manufacture at the pace of demand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but he said at the moment, every device that comes off our supply chain has a sticker of someone's name being put on it and sent to their address. Like there's mm -hmm. still, a six month backlog apparently. Yeah. So I think, you know, this is for me, if you're gonna buy one stop today, this is the one. Yeah, great. Love it. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, let's get to the next one. So this is Trajan Group, and I know I've talked about it before, but I always have to go to the website to kind of figure out what it does, and still it's not clear. So it was born <laughs> to create an enterprise to translate analytical science into tangible ways to directly benefit society. Our aim is to enrich personal health through scientific tools and solutions. And I'm not knocking it. It's just, I don't really get it. Do you? No. Um, and I was starting to run out of time when I got to this, <laughs> this one. But look, it, it, it's a hardware seller, and I don't know. Frank, do you follow yeah. Okay, so maybe start with... So the, the, there's two parts. There's analytical products and there's life sciences. And, and look, I, I, I don't follow it that closely, but um, you know, our guys do cover it. 
Um, so on the analytical products, there's things like syringes and caps and liners and gas filters and you name it. And a lot of it's targeted to the health industry. So we're still on that health healthcare mm-hmm. theme. In the life sciences, a lot of it's to do with pathology laboratories and testing and so forth. So, you know, there's some elements of, I suppose, Sonic in there, in that in that part of the business. Um, it's nowhere near as big as, um, as, as, as Sonic is. Um, so, so it, look, it, it's an interesting business. Um, just as a disclaimer, Woods did um, do the float on this okay. um, a little while ago. The share price went ballistic initially, and now it's back to where um, it, it's where it issued at. Um, if I look at the multiples and the and, you know the, the 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 PEs and things like that, it's not cheap but it's not overly expensive for a healthcare stock so if i look at it forward pe for 13 uh, for 23 it's on 23 and a half times on 20 times for next year and 17 times so there's growth in their earnings um so it's interesting it, 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 but you know would i agree with the the buy commentary that that our analyst has i think on those multiples on a company that's only got a sort of short history on the market, I'd say it's probably more of a hold at this point in time. Um, but there, you know, it is promising, and I, I do like the healthcare sector, and Australians do it really well. Um, it's and it's a, not a new company; it's been around for quite some time. Mm. It's not as if it's you know a startup and, and then you know raise money and then and then it's trying to operate. It's, it's been operating for quite some time. I forget how long it had been operating for before it came to market, but it'd been operating for quite some time. So interesting. Um, I. I I would say I'm positive. I wouldn't be as strong as a buy, but um, it is an interesting story. I think, you know, Been around a, since 2011, to answer your question. There you go. Founder led. I think the founder's yeah. still got a lot of shares. Yes. So that's that's a tick, tick. Um, the thing I was just a bit cautious on when I had a look at it was it's it came to the market with a with an acquisition. Like, it feels like it's trying to roll up, buying smaller. Yeah, I think Ord's mentioned that there's still potential yeah, there's still for more m yeah. yeah, so it's trying to work out what the organic growth in these businesses versus what they bought and bringing in versus what they paid. Like, it can work really well, but we've also seen it can be a disaster sometimes. And that comes down to a big leap of confidence in the management. I think that they know what they're doing. They're paying the right prices. They don't go and, you know, sort of um, spend money in advisorly. So I'll, I'll go a hold as well, just because I think I want to listen to the CEO and get a feel for what um, mm-hmm. that person's like and, and, you know, what they're aiming to do. Do the analysts ever pull you up when you get back to the office, Francesco? No, no, because I always qualify. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, 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 I'll never get, I'll it's never good, get, it's good I'll never get dragged out I think it's great, I think yeah. the viewers appreciate it, absolutely. <laughs> I'll never get dragged out, well, yeah, there are times where you've got to be careful, but, <laughs> but I, I don't, yeah, I always qualify, that's, yeah. that's yeah. the most important thing. And look, you know, not everyone agrees with everything. Yeah, you, no, you, 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 nor should you. That was for Brent. Thanks, Brent, for writing in about that one. Okay, the next one on the list is Macmillan Shakespeare, MMS. This is for Ren. Um, Do you want to get that, Francesca? I'll get it. (laughs) Okay, so you know what they do? Yeah, salary, I do. I always get like a flashback. Car leasing, car nova leasing. So it's more of a... Consumer, well, not even consumer services, business services to, yeah, to provide salary packaging and yeah. that sort of stuff to, to businesses, which is an interesting, you know, um, operation. Um, I think its market cap's about a billion, um, so it's not it's not a small fry. Um, I think they do a little bit of 
um, not government work, but... Um, it's a pretty steady chart over the years. It is a pretty steady chart. We've got a whole recommendation on it because we think it's pretty much fully valued at the moment. It's trading on a multiple of about 13 to 14. Um, so I'd say for this sort of stock, it's probably fully... Pro- you know, it provides a very good dividend yield. You know, 7.5% fully frank takes you up to about 10.5% pre-tax. So mm. that, that that's... Um, um, very attractive. It does operate outside of Australia, U- UK and New Zealand, so so it's got that global reach. But our guys have got a um, you know valuation of about fourteen fifty on it, um, and it's trading I think around fifteen fifty. So it's probably a bit over valued at the moment. Um, you know, there's a, there's a number of other companies in this, um, and we'll talk about another one shortly. But my our preferred, I, 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 my preferred anyway, uh, in this space would be uh, people in. Um, which is more of a uh, employment outsourcing rather than uh, providing um, salary packaging and, and leasing and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, it's it's not a bad, it's a good company, but at these prices, I, I, I'd probably hold hold back. Yeah. yeah, Macmillan Shakespeare. I mean, um, I just remember. Well, it'd probably be like a decade ago now. Yeah. The regulatory risk. Tony Abbott. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, so do you just do you, like is that done and dusted, dead, buried, cremated, whatever his term is? I don't. I, I think. Um, I think you're okay yeah. for the moment, but I don't think it's ever done and dusted. There's always can be legislative changes. Like it, this stock, it actually to me it looks cheap. Seven percent fully frank, thirteen times, but I think it's always going to look cheap. Yeah. It's, it's different. It's the opposite to ResMed. You know, there's always that. You're never going to pay a more normal market multiple when the business model could almost overnight be destroyed by a change in government. Um, but for now, I think it's pretty safe. And I would say like what this business has potentially going for it is on that car leasing side. Um, you know, one of, if, if like say um, NAB wants to um, say we're gonna meet a zero carbon goal, which pretty much every corporate is in the process of doing, their two biggest sources of emissions are the buildings that they operate in. Mm-hmm. So greenifying buildings is gonna be a big thing. And also the, um, the, the the massive vehicle leasing arms of their employees who are driving around. And so what could be a big driver for this business is um, the electric vehicle kind of revolution, because if you put all of those, you know, 20, 15,000 mm-hmm. people into an EV, um, you can suddenly say that we're, we're meeting our commitments. And it, there's probably a good economic reason for it as well in terms of how cheap it is to run these things. So that could be a bit of a leg of growth. And they do talk about that in their um, in their presentations where they're seeing, because uh, what they want is more turnover of the existing leases. And these businesses had a really tough time through COVID because mm-hmm. if you sign up a new employee, you couldn't actually get a car for it because you know, there was a shortage of it. So um, um, it's an interesting one, but I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go buy on Macmillan because I think it does look cheap and I think there is still some growth and 7% fully frank sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, it's not too different, the next one, or maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe there's something fundamentally different about Smart Group, SIQ, uh, you know, maybe not so far as what they do, but the valuation or its outlook. What do you think? The, the valuation's a bit different. They're rem- like, it's bizarre. Like, I think Macmillan Shakespeare's got like 390,000 um, people that they manage their salary packaging for, and Smart Group, uh, it was 386,000 or something. It's, like, it's almost identical yeah. sizes. But smart groups trading on quite a bit higher multiple, and I'm not 
Like, I'm not an expert in this area. I don't know why that is, but it's... Well, it's a smaller market cap. Too. Smaller market cap. It's yeah. trading on 15 times from on yeah. my consensus and 5% fully franked. Um, so I'll go a hold on Smart Group. They are very similar businesses, Nadine. Mm-hmm. Smart's just probably a bit smaller. And maybe it's taking share because it's um, a bit, bit of an up-and-comer. Uh, but apart from that, I'd be a bit wary paying 15 times for the business. Um. Any, any. Well, we're opposite, and I think what I think what the analyst is seeing here is a bit more growth out of okay. um, out of Smart Group than than out of um, uh, Macmillan's. Um, they did lose a contract with um, the Department of Education and Training, um, but it looks like that's sort of cycled through anyway. Um, but I think our guy probably thinks that they, they might be able to achieve more contract wins than Macmillan mm-hmm. on this one. Pretty much mirror image, similar business. Um, and your analysts are pointing out EVs as well. They said EV orders yes. are about 21% of new vehicle orders yeah. in uh, the March quarter. Yeah, well, not only does the business like Smart Group or Macmillan Shapey have to have to sort of you know, get runs on the board in that area, the, mm-hmm. the businesses that they do, that they supply their services to I've never to thought about that well. before, but yeah. fleets yeah. account for so much. Mm. Oh, output. massive. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. It's like, yeah. it, for many companies, it would be their biggest source of emissions. And it's low-hanging fruit, really. Yeah. yeah. But you, you don't you don't realise how many cars are on the road that are actually through leasing, through through, yeah. through the business, you know, through people's jobs. You, mm. you don't you don't quite understand it until you sort of get out there and talk to people. I mean, a, a, a friend of my um, son's, his dad works for um, a, um, what do you call it, a... Um, a fire prevention mm-hmm. uh, business, uh, a bit like Wormall type business. Yeah. Um, he has his car supplied to him. You know, yeah. his wife has her car supplied to her for her job. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people yeah. out there that are driving these these cars yeah. that are leased. Um, and oh, obviously they take a bit of a hit on their salary or something like that. But um, yeah, you know, it's big business. But again, I go back to from my point of view, my preferred on this in this space is people mm-hmm. in people in uh, just through the nature of their. Um, um, outsourcing of labour hire, um, and particularly now we, we might be moving into a bit of a tougher environment. Instead of people putting on full timers, they might go and, and use contract mm. labour a bit more. Mm. Okay, good. Let's get to the last on the list. We've timed this out really nicely, guys. Amcor AMC. This is for Tark. Oh, I was just looking at the brokers, and look, there's there's not. Well, okay, so. Ordmanet seems to be pretty positive on this one. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's pretty neutral, oh, and, and Morgan Stanley has an underweight rating on it. What do you think? Yeah, look, um, yes, our, our analyst is positive, but I'd be neutral as mm-hmm. well. Um, we do maintain it in, in our portfolios on our desk, um, and that's just because it was there. We're not about to, to run for the door just yet. Um, but look, I, I, it is a good business, and it, gener- it does generate good cash flow, um, it's fairly defensive in nature, but if if we're going into a slowdown, obviously they so, supply a lot of packaging mm-hmm. and, and for, for for high consumer products. Um, so um, apparently, a lot of their customers are down stocking in preparation for that. Um, so I mean, if, if you're looking at, at cycles, you know, if we're heading into the bottom of the cycle, maybe it's um, an opportunity that people might see that we're getting close to the bottom of this economic cycle and it might be time to buy something like this. But um, look, it, it does generate good good cash flow and, and, and it's, its dividends fairly um, 
secure. Um, so, so those looking for income, but um, I, I'd probably, ha- you know, be more hazardous if I didn't own it at the moment. I'd hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't be buying just yet. Yeah. Um, but if I own it, I wouldn't be heading for the door just yet either. Okay, MCOR. Yeah, I'm, a, that, I'm the same. I, it, it looks pretty cheap. Like it's done a, it's on thirteen and a half times forward. And this is a business from my memory. It's often traded in the high teens. So. Mm. The market's front running the expected slowdown, which we're seeing in a lot of different companies. We spoke about Premier Investments before. 5% um, yield is pretty attractive. Um, and you know, there's another kind of green element to this business as well, where another area that a lot of companies produce carbon is in um, packaging. And um, what they're doing, and you, you, we're noticing it everywhere, is that if you can say to a company like we can create that out of 80% recycled products, um, that that company has a good message to sell and um, typically they make higher margins on those sort of packages because um, it's a bit more expertise involved. Uh, so like, you know, Colgate toothpaste, you notice now that the toothpaste has changed, the, mm-hmm. the, the packaging. So Tim Tams are going to be in... Uh yeah, the yeah, paper packaging. Most yeah. bars are in paper. Yeah, plastic. Yeah. You know, will event over time go, yeah. and um, recyclable materials will come in. What gets me on all of this sort of stuff, though, is you, you take home something from the supermarket that's in some new packaging, but then you open it up, and each individual one's individually wrapped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. defeats the purpose? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a work in progress. Yeah. But I, like, I'd say hold because I think the valuation looks good. Like, yeah, maybe earnings come under a bit of pressure in the next year or two, but the market's probably kind of reflecting that now. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, like as with um, Sonic, like it's got assets which have taken years to create and are very hard to replicate. So there is a, there is a, a good business in there. Mm-hmm. Are you guys of the mind right now, just very quickly, to stick with the big end of town? Or are you positioning for that recovery where you're more interested in some of the smaller names? Well, smalls, like, you know, to me, we're in a bull market, um, which started off in December. And what we've seen is classic, you know, it, everyone's still in semi-disbelieving that, I think. Um, it's been the big stuff that's rallied initially in America in particular. And what you tend to see is that starts to filter down. So. It's probably more like I would say, like we all know, like small caps have woefully underperformed Mm -hmm. the ASX for a while now. And um, you speak to the small cap managers and they all say it's a liquidity issue. It's not like, you know, it's not an earnings issue. Uh, So like I think going down those next sort of tiers starts to make sense now. Still being cautious? Yeah, look, I think it's just probably a little bit premature than, than Ben. I, I think, you know, there's there's more rate rises not only here but around the world. Um, you know, we saw how quickly that changed. Um, you know, I think a few weeks ago everyone was on, well, the Reserve Bank here in Australia has, has reached the limit. It's probably at the top of the cycle. Well, you know, that changed pretty quickly and I think that, you know, we're probably going to see a few more here and in, in globally. So I, I'd be more... Um, still cautious and if, if I'm investing I'll be at the bigger end of town um, I think probably you know towards the end of this calendar year um, we're probably maybe looking at the peak in interest rates and that's when the market will stay right now's the time to look forward a year rates will start coming off and, and markets will start to, to go ahead again Good. Guys, thank you. Uh, I'm just going to review what we learned. If there's any company that Ben would buy today on the list at least it would be ResMed and yeah, Francesco really loves it as well. It's a great Aussie business. 
Tarzan Group. It's a buy officially at Ords, but um, look, you just heard what Francesco would say. He'd be a little bit more cautious, but it is in the healthcare space. It does have stuff going for it. Founder-led, Ben points out, but it would be a hold for him. Macmillan Shakespeare, Ben's second buy of the day would be Macmillan. He says it's looking pretty cheap and there's some you know potential tailwinds to come. But uh, Francesco reckons it's pretty valued. He prefers people in, in that space. Smart Group, um, look, it's a, a hold, I think, for both of my guests. Amcor, pretty neutral for, for Francesco's view. He wouldn't be buying it today, but definitely comfortable holding it in client portfolios. And it's a hold for Ben as well. Uh, look, guys, thank you. Ben Clark, TMS Thanks Capital, as always. Francesco De Stratus, Ordmanet. It's good to have you guys Pleasure. in. Yeah. And um, look, for you, thanks for emailing us. And if you would like a company covered, ausbiz.co forward slash call picks is what you want to get to. Thanks for watching. Don't go anywhere, though. Danielle Akiye will take you through the pulse next. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.